Deanna Lana's podcast. Wendy and Lana's podcast. Get literary, get literary. Woo! Hello and welcome to Alana and Wendy's totally excellent Get Literary podcast. This is series one, season one, episode four. Four. Four, right? <laughs> of our vaguely romance novel focused two person book club. My name is Alana, and I'm one of your hosts today. Today we are discussing The Iron Duke by Mel Jean Brooke, and we're coming at you live, well at the time live, this is going to be recorded later, from St. <laughs> Louis, Missouri. We're in the same place, we're guys. We're in the same place, oh my god. Wendy, how are you? I'm good. It's so funny to see your face <laughs> in the real world. I know, right? right? IRL. IRL. We're coming at you IRL right IRL, now. IRL, like in, in, in person right now, it's a little weird, actually. <laughs> Even though we've been hanging out for like at least 24 hours at this point. <laughs> like the fact that we're... So we decided, we did this last year actually as well. We went and we hang out together on Memorial Day. And last time we went to Nashville and this year we figured out that halfway between us is St. Louis. So mm-hmm. we're in St. Louis at a random Airbnb location mm-hmm. with Wendy's dog who is also here as well. And being She's very here. quiet. For the moment. For the moment. So, anyway, yeah, so we're here, and the answer of what we're drinking is cheap Trader cheap. Joe's wine. Because yeah. because when you can do Trader Joe's, do Trader Joe's, because there ain't no Trader Joe's anywhere near me. Exactly, and there is no Trader Joe's near me. I have to drive an hour to the most recent Trader Joe's. I think this is the closest one. <laughs> For me. Six hours. Six hours. Six hours. <laughs> And we are like probably like a six minute walk from a Trader Joe's. So we, <laughs> yeah. we, we are here armed with a bunch of two buck chuck. Mm-hmm. Here for you, our dear yes. listeners. It's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Anyway, so we are drinking two buck chuck of various types. Some Chardonnay, some Shiraz, and uh, some, Cabaret, some Cabaret Sauvignon. Did I say that right? Nah. Some Cabernet. Cab. Yeah. Cab Sauv. Cab Sauv. Um... So we're going to tell you about our excellent weekend, listeners. So uh, we got together after I spent an obscene amount in a Target. (laughs) (laughs) Like I got there like two hours before I was supposed to and I legit, that wasn't enough time for me to slow roll through that Target. (laughs) I spent so much time in that Target. I loved it. I think... I think this is like a good reason why we're friends, or maybe this is a reason why maybe we should not be friends, because <laughs> Alana is prepared for everything, and early to everything. <laughs> I am never prepared, and always late. So so I was actually pretty surprised that I got there about on time. Yeah, you were there like, on time. I was just there two hours early. <laughs> two hours early. And then I thought she was like, I was like, where do you want to meet? And she's like, oh, just the Ulta that I told you four hours ago. And I was like, oh. <laughs> so you're just gonna like be at Ulta? No, but there was a Target and a Bed Bath and Beyond. I had an excellent time, though yes. I definitely wanted to leave there after four hours. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so we got together, and last night we went out to the City Museum. Mm-hmm. And if you are not familiar with the City Museum in St. Louis, it is a kind of playhouse meets jungle gym meets playground. That is basically like a bunch of kind of rebar, and you can kind of jump around and climb <laughs> yeah. all over it. And we went um, in the evening, because it's supposed to be 18 over, but I definitely seem still packed with 
with kids when we were there. Quite a few children. And we were there around nine, I think. Anyway, but um, so we went and saw it. Um, my it my initial thoughts is not a museum. <laughs> yeah, I'm too nerdy for it. <laughs> yeah, we're, I think we're too nerdy to like fully appreciate that experience. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, I was like in the museum gift shop, and I was like, this isn't even a museum gift shop. Like, you can't learn from any of these tools. Here. <laughs> <It's> stupid. <laughs> No, it was it was very interesting, and also if I had a child, that would be a great place to like get them really really tired. Yeah, I saw people there, or I read after in the mommy blogs that you're supposed to bring like knee pads and stuff because oh yeah, there's a lot of like running around and like there are slides and you don't even know where the slide goes. <laughs> yeah. Like like you just like scary. You just ha- yeah, <laughs> I don't even know. I I would vote it most likely place to lose your child. <laughs> Like, I would be stressed out by it. I was a little stressed out watching other people's child. Like, because I would go around in, like, the little parts, and, like, I would turn around, and there would be a kid screaming at me, and I was like, are you okay, kid? Are you okay? Girl Scout training is, is clicking in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody get a buddy. Everybody get a buddy. Um, so today, we went to more adult museums, actually. Um, so we started the day at the Contemporary Art Museum, which had a um, thing on city planning, which I love city planning, so I enjoyed quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, we went to the dark room for brunch and then after lunch we went to the St. Louis Art Museum, which is inside of a very large park called Forest Park and it's huge and it's huge that and it's massive. That, I like that museum. Yeah. 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 We liked it a lot. It was very crowded, but really fun actually and free. Free. Free things. Free things. The zoo free is free, too. Free things are the too. best. Yeah. Um, oh, in between there, we also went to the Mao House Cat <laughs> Cafe. Yeah. Which, Wendy, I've been, this is, I think, my fourth or fifth cat cafe. <laughs> but, Wendy, tell me about your experiences at a cat cafe. From a, from a cat cafe novice <laughs> over here. <laughs> um, I, th- I thought it was pretty cool. I thought it was um, pretty interesting. I feel like it should be called... The species ignoring other species <laughs> <laughs> because it's a lot of cats just like sitting there going like I really don't want to be pet right now I don't I don't want to like talk to you I don't want to look at you and then everybody's like oh my god which is like that's cat people in general like, <laughs> I I like cats I'm not a cat person but I like cats yeah yeah and they were they were pretty cute. So they, they were some pretty active cats. Like they were very actually interested in people, and there was a lot of window window naps, yeah. which is good for cat cafe. Is that like you can go and like pet the cat in the window? Yeah, so. it's it's a very cute place, and it's very involved too. Like I thought it would just be like a cafe, but it's like you you reserve a space, and that is up front ten bucks, and then. But it includes a drink. So but you order your drink. drink. Yeah. And then um, there's like some, there's, you know, two doors so they don't get out. And then there's some dude on the inside with a walkie-talkie going, all right, all right, all the 1 p.m. people, get out. All the 2 p.m. people, come on in. And then like people are watching. Like there's a line to the cat cafe where people are just watching in the like actual cafe part. And so you kind of feel like you're also being observed, which you probably are. Yeah, you probably are. But um, I liked that dude with the walkie-talkie. I think he um, he took his job really seriously. 
He also knew a lot about each of those cats. Oh, yeah. That's true. <laughs> I think it's like a safe space for cat people where you can just like talk endlessly about cats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's also something that happens is like you also have these awkward situations where you're giving people cat tips about other cats. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he doesn't like to be pet there. <laughs> and then and then like they're like, yeah, he's just like my cat at home. Mm-hmm. I like to do cat cafes when I'm traveling. I always look up cat cafes because I find it very therapeutic. One, because cat cafes are basically just like sitting around in coffee shops. And so you get to sit and there's really like no need to go and see something or do something. Mm-hmm. Like you just need to be there. And it's, like, human-animal bond, so, like, you, like, it's therapeutic to, like, hang out with the cats and, like, pet a couple of cats during that period. So I always find it to be, like, sort of, like, a spa type of experience a little bit while you're traveling, but it's cheaper <laughs> than, like, an actual spa. <laughs> yeah, it's totally cheaper. Yeah. So, and cats. And cats. My favorite thing to do is, is to take selfies with the cats, <laughs> which is, like, where you put a selfie camera in front of them, and they're, like, what the fuck? So mm-hmm. every time... That's um, that's the caption for every single photo that Alana took. The cat was like, what the fuck? And then Alana was like, hey! <laughs> so it's like, what the fuck? Hey! What yeah. the fuck? Hey! What the fuck? Hey! <laughs> In fact, they like, um, so I, my phone like was not working during that, so I used <laughs> Wendy's phone during this activity, and, it, and Wendy's phone made a short video <laughs> of the experience, which was timeless. <laughs> and very fitting. And very fitting. <laughs> It was great. Awesome. Um, and I think that's just about it. We also went to a taco joint that was very delicious the other day called good. Mission Taco Joint. Um, and tonight we're maybe going to get some fried chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, for reasons. Fried chicken. Just because. Um, all right. So, but we're going to get to our featured book today, which is The Iron Book by Mel Jane Brooks. The Iron Duke. The Iron Duke. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> A little of the white. If it were an me. iron book, it'd be really heavy. <laughs> really super. <laughs> Just um, like the Duke, he's super heavy. So why don't you tell us a little bit? You chose this book, right, mm-hmm. Wendy? So why did you choose this book? Um, I chose this book because, um, so I, um, I read uh, the website Smart Bitches Trashy Books all the time, um, which if you haven't. If you haven't checked it out, it's pretty hilarious. It's these women who read tons of romance novels and then just write about it. And there's, like, guest reviewers. They do a podcast. Just, like... And they're, like, super hilarious. So, um... (laughs) um, They have a podcast um, that's called Smart Podcast Trashy Books. And I was listening to it the other day. And there was a librarian there that um, was talking about her experiences doing a romance book club. And she was, she said that, um, one of the books that, like, you know, you get your regulars and then there's one book that makes people come out of the woodwork and then, like, show up and contribute and then never come again. (laughs) And that was this book. It was Iron Duke. Like, for some reason, like, I don't know, maybe it's the fact that it's, like, steampunk or something. But I also, um, I also really loved the Parasol Protectorate series by Gail Carringer, and, and I was like, holy hell, like, steampunk. I didn't really notice that that was a subgenre of everything, like, <laughs> fantasy and romance and, like, historical. It's like a whole bunch of mishmash of stuff, and I thought it wasn't going to be very good, but then, like, Gail Carringer was really great, and so I wanted to try something that was steampunk that was, like, a tried-and-true steampunk, mm-hmm. and I think this is... That was the Iron Duke. So, 
Yeah, and steampunk is nice because it's sort of a meshing of a couple of different genres. Like, it's Victorian bodice ripper meets <laughs> yeah. meets science fiction. So, in some ways, mm-hmm. it makes sense as a romance novel, in many yeah. ways. And it's funny, too, because it's, like, just, like... Um, genre crossing enough to get like a whole like a whole new set of people like the other thing like on goodreads <laughs> it was like one of the reviews is like some dude who's like dad please don't read this review because <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of sex scenes and i'm going to talk about it <laughs> and then, then apparently like obviously first of all he's a dude and second of all he's never read romance novels because he went into like why was there a romance? I don't know. Marketing, I guess. <laughs> and then he was like, these romance scenes are just disgusting. I hate them. I wish there was nothing there. I wanted more Krakens, more mechanical stuff. <laughs> and I was like, that ain't nothing. Like, No, those, I know. Like, <laughs> those romance scenes are like, I mean, they push the label as far as like consent goes, but it generally they're pretty on par with like paranormal really and i felt like we'll get into the characters in a minute but i felt like he was very much like the like stereotypical fictional like male lead in these stories yeah he's a he's a duke like he really is a duke like, <laughs> he the is dukes, the duke yeah the, yeah the dukes of bodice rippers is right there yeah he's like the dastardly duke the, the rogue right yeah a little bit he's a he's a rake Yes, he's totally a rake. And he's a pirate. There's, like, so many combinations of things going on. Like, he's a pirate and a duke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got superpowers. There's just yeah. so many things. So, I guess overall, by the way, spoilers from this point forward, in terms of the book, <laughs> it is a book club. How did you like the book, Wendy? I liked it. I, um... I I thought it was like a little bit darker than I wanted it to be, but generally I liked it, and I liked seeing like the different wor- world building. So, in general, I liked it. Would I read another of the Iron Seas? I haven't decided yet. Kind of, no. But maybe something else by Mel Jean Brooke because I was happy yeah. with her. I maybe. also liked this book, like. I gave it um, a four out of five on um, my Goodreads, which is like I don't I, I don't give out a whole lot of four out of fives, and I really did like this book. And I think the best part about it is I think the world building and also the writing is really solid. Like the like like she knows how to like plot a novel, and it's very clear. Like I thought that the fact that it started as a police procedural and then sort of like morphed into a high seeds adventure, like in this really like like, 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 well thought out way. Yeah, and, like, you could run into so many problems with that kind of thing. Like, if you, if you match too many genres together, it could just be really long and drawn out. But it wasn't. I was still, like, on the edge of my seat most of the time. Yeah, yeah. And it's certainly much better than the book I chose last time. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's part of it, is, like, we were in the negatives, and now we're in the positives, Mm -hmm. and we're so happy about that situation. And also, I just, like, I didn't, I didn't expect a lot from this book, (laughs) to tell you the truth. (laughs) It's got a torso on the front. (laughs) It definitely has a torso in a leather jacket inside of, like, some weird steampunk gear on the front of it. Um... And I feel like, I feel like steampunk is, like, one of those things that's, like, such a niche genre that maybe, like, the writing hasn't, like, 
progressed to like really good yet you yeah, know like yeah. i was a little bit worried about that but this i yeah i liked it i thought it was good yeah i also liked it um like i said the plotting was really good let's talk about the world because i think we both liked the world the world was awesome i it's really interesting because i guess we'll give a tiny little plot british british soil has been under oppression from this like mysterious force called the horde the capital h and they have like nanobites somehow (laughs) i don't really understand how Mm -hmm. and they put it in the like people's blood and then you're able to control the human that has the nanobites in them so everybody in england has these nanobites and it actually like is like strangely makes you stronger live longer like you you know you can have weird things grafted to your body that's kind of exciting um but it they all can also can control the people so um you know you hear that kind of storyline and then you're like okay so we're gonna have like this this like sci-fi dystopian world where the main character destroys the the government destroys the the nanobites right yeah no, this this book starts ten years after the Duke destroys the the horde in <laughs> in British soil, and he kind of was like, I didn't really do it for anybody or any kind of <laughs> lofty yeah, goal. Yeah, yeah, really, just, like I just might have been infected by zombies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, there's a lot of like, I think the only like truly magical element is the fact that. The, like, no one understands what these little nanobites do. Um, that's the magical part. But I, everything else, like, there's not, like, vampires or werewolves or anything like that. Um, but there are, like, there are, there's a form of zombie where, like, the nanobites go crazy and then you become, like, a human-eating person. But, um, anyway, it's, it's pretty interesting. And, and it's kind of, like, it kind of just throws you into the, to the restoration part of this universe. And you're kind of like, what happened? Like, who's the horde? Are they aliens? Are they, like, from Asia? (laughs) Yeah. You don't really know a lot about the horde, and the book doesn't give you very much. Except that they look vaguely Asian in nature, because the main character is actually half horde. Mm -hmm. Um, So, basically, the background is, is that her mother, like, was basically sort of kind of raped like by the horde people and like it during what are called frenzies which are where which are very useful in terms of um romance novels which is just where everyone has a bunch of sex (laughs) and they don't really care who shifters Um, have these all the time yeah 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 and um anyway which is also a convenient reason because then she has a horde baby and then she gouges her eyes out which is a great reason for someone to have cool laser goggles yeah yeah she had fancy eyes she had fancy eyes which is totally like a steampunk trope within itself Mm. is fancy eyes right yeah um and so it's interesting because there's also the bounders which is they have this idea which is the english are not british and there's a bunch of people who left england and live in manhattan like in the u.s but they're but they consider themselves more English than the people who are called buggers, which are people who have are infected with nano agents. So there's like this interesting, and it becomes important in the novel, like um, relationship between the bounders and the 
buggers, and that's more important than the Horde. We don't actually meet anyone from the Horde in this book. And I wish that that had made me want to meet the Horde, but I didn't really care about them No. in this book. Like, I, I realized they were kind of mysterious, but I felt like they were less complicated than this relationship. I liked the mystery. I yeah. like it when they... I like it when authors don't spoon-feed you. I like it when um, things are left a mystery. Like, I hate books that just, like, that, like, make a mystery and then, like, the next book they totally decimate it by, like, filling out the character and it's just, like, a completely blah character. Like, why did you do that? Like, it was yeah. so interesting beforehand. Or, like, <laughs> in this book where he he basically gets bit by, the main character, Reese, gets beat by, bit by a zombie and he... And he doesn't get infected, and he doesn't know why, and he doesn't seem that, that like, incentivized to find out, because that's how I would be if I was bit by a zombie and I could not find out, because I wouldn't really want to repeat that experience. <laughs> like, in the same way that, like, sometimes you, like, have a weird rash, and you don't do anything about it for a couple of weeks. Because you're like... <laughs> Please imagine me right now as just a huge rash. <laughs> like, it's true, I see her in real life. <laughs> that's what's happening right now and so like you you like so it never goes back to that because that's really like how someone might deal in that situation and I really enjoyed that or like while they're in the what I call the high seas part of the story like oh, yeah, they, that was fun yeah they they mentioned all these different um like like other adventures they had like, involving the floating city and stuff, and I was like... And they'd mention it, but they wouldn't go into detail, and I was like, cool! <laughs> yeah. Like, you guys have... You're, like, real people who, like, do things, and then and then you don't talk about it, which, like, I do many things and don't talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Which you wouldn't know from social media, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really interesting how um, it wasn't about against the man which is like the the knee-jerk like dystopian plan is to be against the man it was about like the much more complicated process of restoration of like us versus them and of like racial tension of like people just like getting over this trauma of like once being like bodily controlled like they controlled their bodies. Like, that's that's a pretty frightening thing. That's that's another thing that I just was like... I, I had to take a couple breaks from this book, actually. Because, <laughs> because I usually read books that are really, like, light and ridiculous. And so, like, the whole idea of somebody being able to control your body is a frightening idea. Mm -hmm. And obviously, like, the that would totally make people, like, go, you know overly racist or confused or you know that kind of stuff because that's a scary thing and people have to figure that shit out you know like i guess it's sort of ironic now that we're in st louis which is like a hotbed of black life in the matter and also like yeah. of the missouri compromise and stuff and physical control of bodies and things like that mm -hmm. so um big slave trade the area yeah but yeah, I mean, it is sort of like a really dark idea, right? Like the idea that you're controlled by horde technology and could still be controlled, right? Yeah, they that's, that's really the know. other thing about the book is that 10 years later, they don't, like everybody's still got the bugs in their body. And they're even still electing to put bugs in people's body because you feel better. But there's always like a threat 
that something might happen that they can find control over those bugs again. And I think that's that's a really interesting point. Yeah, like it's kind of an unresolved threat, which is sort of like, I know that this is probably going to be something that's foreshadowing that will come up later in the series, but I also liked it as sort of an idea of the fact that like you can't truly outrun history, that it lives within you constantly, and that it could activate at any time. And I kind of like that idea. And I also like the idea of the fact that of the idea that people who stay in a war-torn country are in some ways innately affected by that experience. And mm-hmm. I felt like it had like an interesting political aspect in that like people couldn't decide how to deal with someone who basically, basically the buggers have issues, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like deep-seated issues after having been under horde control, right? And so like it's almost like in many ways that the bounders want to just move on and just kill everyone. In fact, the main idea is, is that they wanted to kill everyone who, who was a bugger with this special device, which was very easy in the end to sort of get rid of, which I was <laughs> yeah. kind of surprised with. But let's get to the main issue with this book, which is consent. And I have a funny story about that in that, like, <laughs> um, on my way here, I was I bought the audio book and my husband was double checking that it worked on our speakers. And literally the point of the book that I was at was the part in which as she wakes up, he, like, goes inside of her and says that he, like, only took a little bit or whatever. <laughs> and it's just... Just the tip. Just the tip. Just the tip or whatever. And so, like, it literally played that section over and over again. And my husband was like, what is this? <laughs> like, like, he suddenly had to change how he felt about my romance book club in some weird way. But which is something that is clearly a problem in this book, which is that consent is, like, very problematic in this book, right? Yeah. I mean, even, like, from the beginning, the Duke, he really goes after her. Like, he tries to, he tries every means to get her in his bed. And that's, like, to the point where where it makes, made me feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But also, like, and then also she's got, like, hang-ups, like, sex hang-ups because yeah. of the whole frenzy thing, which really wasn't consent. Like, the, it's funny that the problem, the problem most people have with this book is the lack of consent, but, like, the entire book is about non-consent because it's about, like, <laughs> people who's their physical body. Some people have, like, can you imagine people who go into a frenzy and literally their arms are hammers, right? Like, like yeah. there's people who literally are built or not... Like yeah, they took the in the in the book they um, took the lower classes and they um, lopped off arms and then grafted on hammers so that they would better be like better foremen and that kind of stuff because that's because that's something you could do to if you have bugs in your body mm-hmm. so like these horde people were constantly mutilating these young, these smaller classes and only lately have people been able to replace their like hammer hands and and sewing needle hands and um what what were some other ones there's drill hands and yeah can you imagine like you don't even have hands like that's nuts so it's yeah so non-consenty everywhere non-consent everywhere because also he's like he also, like, kind of rapes her because she's like, no, stop. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then he just kind of continues for a bit and then realizes that it's sort of rapey. Which is something, alright, like, 
related to consent is is the fact that this this main there's a little bit of a magic vagina thing going on here in that like he is clearly a very complicated issue and um he he also like but he's innately healed and he doesn't want anyone else but her right oh yeah he he has trauma himself everybody's got trauma yeah. And yeah. he, he had, he used to be a sex slave. So yeah. that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which, which surprisingly doesn't give him very many hangups, right? No, he didn't let anybody touch him. Yeah. So he, he literally did not have sex from the time he was a sex slave to Mina. Until he sees Mina and then suddenly he then cannot like, control himself. Yeah. Then he's like, all about that shiz. Which has a all certain element of possession, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's very clearly about possession in this weird way, right? Yeah. Um. Anyway, so he also like he seems. Anyway, so he has a lot of like weird kind of things in which he he wants her, but he wants her like on her own terms, but not really on her own terms because <laughs> like one could argue that when you like have basically like told someone that you can save their little brother and then like invited them onto your ship. And then after several year, several days of like hardcore like asking, they finally like agree. Like that yeah. doesn't. That's not really consent either. No. And there was one point where he um, explicitly said, "If you have sex with me, I will save your brother." Yeah. <laughs> and then give me your answer. And so she said yes because she wanted to save her brother. And so she sent him the note, and he was like, "I didn't get a note." So he like decided at that point, at that point, like, oh, good for you. You're you're so high in morals. You decided not to use this like <laughs> this basically forcing someone to have sex with you. Good job, good job, Duke. Mm-hmm. But then he later shows her that note and is like, I didn't want you to have to choose. I mean, I didn't want you to f- want to force you. But with him showing that note. That's like again putting that stress on her. Like, yeah, <laughs> like it was kind of a weird decision. <laughs> and at times, Mina sort of drove me nuts. So she's the main protagonist in the story, and she starts as a very strong protagonist, like clearly like able to do her job. Clearly has some sort of kind of power in the situation, and she sort of loses power until basically she she literally stops a bullet with her body. Which can we talk about that damn clockwork heart? clockwork heart that they were able to put together in like 10 minutes like if you could put together a clockwork heart clockwork heart in that amount of time why wouldn't you have a couple of clockwork hearts just lying around (laughs) like if you say i don't know a doctor right like wouldn't you have a couple of clockwork things ready yeah just like hold a pipe in your in your pocket yeah be like hey can you like head home and like grab my clockwork heart kit (laughs) or like call the ambulance which has all the clockwork hearts in case someone i don't know gets shot (laughs) in the heart in the heart yeah that was weird she does a total romance thing where she falls in front of the bullet yeah i when that happened i like flipped through at least like 10 romance novels that i could think of i was like oh no (laughs) But usually it's like, I don't know, something is in front of the their heart. But Though a thing that this book has that's positive is Yasmin, who's another lady 
character who seems to be pretty together, right? She had more of a personality than me. I liked I liked Yasmin. I could tell Yasmin was like taking the book seriously. Like like she yeah. was a more interesting character than Mina was. Sometimes that happens or sometimes the main characters are the boring characters and the side characters I don't know what it is. Like it's like you have more freedom with the side characters and then they become more of a character. I kept picturing Yasmin with an eye patch, by the way. <laughs> you know she has braids, like cornrows? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, she had, and, a, and a, like a handkerchief or whatever. Yeah. Um, and she's in the second book. Yeah. Second book. Yeah, because I think the second book involves her and then um, other the books. The Alonious Fox. Yeah. So what else did you like or not like about this one? <laughs> I liked Mina's badass moments. She had some pretty badass moments. Like, when she went down and she was, like, (laughs) holding on to the rope and she's like, what? (laughs) There was one part where she was, like... Fighting a kraken, right? Which is, like, the steampunk, like, like big boss, right? Yeah. (laughs) And she's like, I have to save the entire ship, but I may die in the effort. Welp. (laughs) (laughs) And then she jumps off of an airship, which airships in themselves, I'm like, that's rad. Because they're, like, they're, like... Dirigibles. They're just ridiculous and hilarious and awesome. <laughs> and, and so she jumps off with a, like, I think the rope is in her hand. Like, it's not yeah, even tied not around even tied. her. Like, she didn't even bother while she was in the air to, like, tie it around her body or and something. And she's got this giant-ass harpoon in the other hand. And then she it stops, like, right in front of the eye of Which, the by the way, like, good geometry for knowing that you had enough <laughs> rope or assuming that they would know exactly how much rope they could possibly get it stops like 10 feet from the bottom <laughs> yeah and then she she kills him in the eye which also another like that's 100 percent video game boss where you can only kill them by hitting them in the eye like, <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh well of course um but yeah that was pretty awesome um i thought it was pretty funny that um the iron duke also has iron encased around his bones so he's literally the Iron Duke on multiple different levels. <laughs> yeah, he's like Wolverine, yeah. basically. And so he's really heavy. <laughs> and so, like, when I found out that, like, in truth he is the Iron Duke, I was like, oh, shit, he's really heavy. And so there's parts where he, like, like he jumps into the sea to save her. And eight people have to, like, grab the rope <laughs> to, to keep him from sinking. Which he has a whole ship, right? And he's pretty good at, like, delegating. But for that thing, he could have been like, hey, go and swim out and save her. But instead he has to, like, sink like a stone, right? <laughs> yeah. It had to be him. Just it him. Was him. Just him. But, yeah, I liked, I liked the ship part. I, liked, I like ship romance novels. I thought the nautical part was, like boring. Like, really? I really wanted to get back to the police procedural, <laughs> even though I know that we resolved it, like, we figured out why someone had dropped it, and it wasn't, like, because of murder. But I still wanted to go back to the murdering. Yeah. She's a freaking, like, a detective. I wanted to know more detecting. Yeah, yeah she, she could have done more detecting. Mm-hmm. I also liked um, Scarsdale, who's another side character, and he's gay. And that's fun. He's also eternally drunk. Which is like gay and eternally and addicted drunk. to opium. Is he addicted to opium? He keeps on getting the opium darts. 
Well, that, no, that's because he's afraid of flying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's afraid of flying also. He's got, he's got like, all those tropes in one. Yeah, yeah. Also, yeah. he has a scarred back. Speaking of which, if, if they don't interact with the Orient, how do they have opium darts? I don't even know. That's true. But, yeah, Scarsdale was kind of interesting, and I think more interesting than the Duke in many ways. Yeah, he was. I wanted to know about his story, but also he's not the next story, and I didn't really... I wasn't interested in his previous relationship, and I thought he was bisexual, because he was hitting on um, Yasmin, but apparently... No. No. They were just they were just friend-making out. That's what friend. you do with your gay friends. That's what you... Okay. <laughs> I did not realize that's what I was supposed to do with my gay friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're the program. Okay. Because uh, everybody has sexual hang-ups in this book. Like, every single person. Every character, yeah. Has PTSD from sex things. <laughs> sex things. The podcast. Yeah. I thought... I thought it was pretty great. I I really did love this book. Like, I, I really enjoyed reading this book. I, I really liked how complicated it was. And how I didn't know how it was going to end. And how it wasn't, like... We need to destroy the Horde before the Horde destroys us. Oh, no. Yeah. Like, I seem... Also, like, there was a lot of, like, friends and, like, cool characters that existed. Oh, um, one thing that I did notice that I thought was kind of funny is that... So, Mina, Mina looks like a Horde. She looks, I guess, Asian or Middle Eastern or something. Um... So they that, talk about slanty eyes, so I think she looks Asian. Yeah, but they were also in, like, the Ivory Coast or something. But that's, like, where they do all the trading. Yeah. Anyway, they don't say, so you never really know. It's easy to discriminate her because she looks different. And so people discriminate her a lot. And um, she's had to get to the point where she needs a bodyguard at all times. A Newberry also was adorable. Newberry was so great. Like, <laughs> I wanted him to be, like, the person that shows up in all patriarchy. <laughs> right? Like, he was so great. Like, he referred to her as sir. And then he was so repressed in this, like, lovely way. Mm-hmm. He blushed every time she had to, like, change or something. Yeah. Or, like, her, like, you know, arms were exposed. <laughs> yeah. He's just this big hul- hulking redhead that follows her around. <laughs> He's a constable. Yeah, that that relationship was great. But anyway, um, so there's this point where she redeems herself to the public of London. And I was like, has that, like, ever happened? Like- yeah, like, where you get, like, public redemption for something that is basically a systematic problem. <laughs> yeah, like, she basically mulaned her way. <laughs> you bring honor to us, you know. Like, okay, sorry, I just have to go back in time. And talk about how much I love the trailer for Mulan as a kid. Like, it was the best trailer. Go back in time, watch the Mulan trailer. It's excellent. You will want to watch YouTube that YouTube it. YouTube it. Yeah. Mulan trailer. It was the most, like, hardcore trailer for a Disney movie ever. Yeah, but I kept on thinking, like, so, okay, so basically, let's boil it down to racial discrimination. Is there any time where somebody who is racially discriminated redeems themselves in the eyes of the majority who... Just by, like, saving the person that they love? Like, <laughs> yeah. literally like, taking a bullet? I mean, like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, like, even, like, I was trying to think of, like, you know, African Americans that 
are beholden to, you know, are beloved by general racist white people. (laughs) And even then, it's like, you know, it's kind of like the Uncle Tom's Cabin type thing where it's like, he's just really deferential and, and and kind and, like, he... You know, he's like the good servant. Like that's not that's not what happens to her. Like she's not she's not like oh the good version of the awful mm-hmm. race. She's she's straight up completely exonerated from her visual race, which is great. So I think we're gonna switch and we're going to talk a little bit about other books that we have read. So Wendy, what other books have you read? Well, um, we just took a break to eat chicken, by the way. <laughs> just full disclosure. <laughs> it was Gus's fried chicken, and it was delicious. It was real good. <laughs> anyway, um, okay, so I just read, like, all of Larissa Ione's books, and I didn't really like any of them. <laughs> But you had to confirm, right? Like, I, yeah. you did read all of the books. Well, I had to I had to finish it, you know? Like, I can't just, like, let that pass. And they were, like, I mean, they were all right, I guess. It's it's paranormal romance, and um, they're, like, demons, and the one I'm on now is, like, the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. And all of them are, like, more wusses than I thought they would be. Uh, I don't know. There's, like, some good sex scenes in it, so... That's so, good enough reason, I guess. Overall, pretty good. Overall, alright. Also, I read one of the Kate Daniels series. And I love how um, Kate Daniels, who is a kick-ass bounty hunter slash detective of the magical world, has guy friends. And there's, like, no weird, like, love triangle pseudo bullshit going on. It's just, like... They're just friends. Yeah. They're friends, and that's totally okay. That's what I love about the Kate Daniels books. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of friendships, and there's a lot of atypical friendships that are just friends. Like, they're not, like, some weird um, excuse to have a love triangle. No. No. Like, no one is secretly pining for anyone else Mm -mm. in those books. I read In American Sickness... How healthcare became big business and my life has changed. Like I am totally that person who like has to ask like in any medical procedure how much it will cost. You're like just, I'm that person. You're from bitter now. Now on. It's, you just added bitterness. Yes. <laughs> no, Everything I was power. before plus bitterness. <laughs> yeah. Like now I feel more justified in all my feelings. It's total confirmation <laughs> bias one hundred percent. I hated medical bills before, and now I hate them even more. <laughs> um, I read, I can't remember if I read this before. Um, oh, I didn't read this before, Last Book Club, but I finished The Case of Comrade um, Tuleyev, which is a book about the Russian purges. Oh, yeah. Um, it was not that great. <laughs> That's oh, okay. all I gotta say about it. It was okay, but like, I don't feel like I'm gonna make anyone's feelings be hurt by my not liking of that book. Yeah, I love Alana that we talk about the books we read, <laughs> and, and I'm like, well, some romance bullshit, and then Alana's like, I bettered myself as a person. 
I read like this book about random other shit and then <laughs> it didn't make me a better person, but I was able to be more better. It certainly sounds a hell of a lot smarter than what I'm reading. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. What else did you read? Anything else? Um, I read um, this book. I, I reread a book that I really love. And it's called Fool Me Twice, and it's a um, it's a historical romance. And I've been thinking a lot about the idea of villains as protagonists, mm-hmm. or what I would like to call vilf. Villains I'd like to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing! <laughs> and, you know, because women are like that, there are some out there. There are some vilfs out there. Mm-hmm. And, um... And I revisited a couple of those books that have vilfs. And this is one of them. He's a total villain in the first book of the series. And then the second book, he's like super crazy. And she just like snaps him out of it. And he's like, it's also like recluse, which is another one of my catnips. His wife cheated on him. And so he's like, he's locked himself into his house. Because he doesn't, he thinks he's going to go kill all the people that are doing his wife, you know. And so he's uh-huh. like, he's super smart and he's super um, arrogant also. And he's kind of crazy. And he's kind of a jackass. But he's also like really sweet sometimes. And there's these, and she's like super smart. And she, she also just comes in and she's like, you know what? No, I'm not going to let you get away with all this bullshit. Because she pretends to be his housekeeper. Well, she is his housekeeper, and then she's got a secret past. And um, she's just like, no. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let you terrorize me. I'm not gonna let you, like, rule the roost in this weird-ass way. And then um, he loves her for it. And there's a really cute part where she's, like, they're playing chess, and she's dumbing herself down. Because she's smart <laughs> and, and she's never like played chess with someone and not had to dumb herself down. And he's like, you know, you could like, you can be smart here. Like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. That's so sweet. Don't, don't. So I just finished that again and I, I loved it. But um, another one that is a vilf is, and I keep on thinking about this one and I should just read it again because it's... Um, it's the Duke of Sin, I think, from Elizabeth Hoyt's Maiden Lane series. He's a sociopath. Like, he's just, he doesn't know right from wrong. And I just think that's so interesting. Like, to just have, like, a protagonist that is also a sociopath that also, like, kills people sometimes. You know. Anyway. I'm going to bring us to Wendy's rant, which is really, like, we thought of it in the car on our way to various art <laughs> museums. Mm-hmm. And it's the idea that both Wendy and myself are both um, romance novel heroes in our own way, mostly from the experience that she is a graphic designer and I'm a librarian. We have the ideal professions <laughs> to be romance heroines. Like, I know. Waiting in the wings. I know, right? Like, it's almost like we chose these so that we could be romance novel characters. Mm-hmm. So I've written some short plot um, uh, teasers and then plot synopsises. And I'm going to start with Wendy's, which is, Wendy was a street smart graphic designer down home in Arkansas who thought she had it all. (laughs) And then the plot synopsis is, 
Wendy Dwyer acts clumsily and then goes for all the douches until she's close to finding herself and then suddenly finds out she's pretty slash pretty all along and now her douchebag boss wants to date her. And then boy next door pines. Yeah. Right? Like, you, yeah. you you know that romance novel, right? Yeah. That's I'm, like Wendy's life. I'm contemporary romance right here. <laughs> yeah. Which is funny because I don't really like novel. contemporary romance. Yeah. I don't like how they're like, oh, I'm so clumsy. Like, that's <laughs> something they like, do all the time. Yeah, they're like, oh, it's so hard being a modern lady having it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's Bridget Jones, basically, yeah. is the biggest version. She's She was in PR. She was in marketing. That's pretty yeah. much it. You're pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she dates a douchebag, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to be clumsy. Yeah, you do. I don't you. want to. Exactly. I don't want to pretend that I'm not cool. Yes. <laughs> exactly. That sounds awful. Yeah, that sounds like the worst. <laughs> and I don't want to date douchebags. All yeah. of those three things, I'm not okay with. So yeah. we have to make an atypical contemporary romance for me. But then you sound like a contemporary. Like I'm not gonna date any douchebags. <laughs> Um, we also talked about, so I'm a librarian by trade, and we talked about how, like, Alana Stonebreaker was a mild-mattered librarian in Indiana until she found herself a vampiric angel demon with with superpowers. Now she has to choose between two loves her life or saving the world. <laughs> right? Like, because it's always like, I love this one white dude. I love this other white dude. <laughs> I tell them apart. Oh, no, oh, white no. dudes. All of the white dudes. And then my plot synopsis was, Alana Stonebreaker was hot but wore glasses, but then she got superpowers. This is not me, by the way. This is like, (laughs) this is like me in in romance novel terms. I got all my superpowers, but not all at once. But because that would make too much sense and also be intimidating because women would understand all their powers and they'd be less likely to ask all of those important questions that move the plot forward, Mm -hmm. right? And then, uh, at one point, I'd have wings. I don't know why. It'd just be cool. <laughs> yeah. And then, don't worry about it. It just happens. Also, she's actually, she never actually does any librarian shit, but sometimes has sex in the library. <laughs> so that's my biggest pet peeve as a librarian, is whenever people have sex in the libraries. I'm like, that is gross. No one else has sex in their place of work, except for librarians <laughs> and nurses. Right? And that's gross. Nurses is not only gross, it's immoral. It's immoral, and in both situations, it is unhygienic, both for the books and for the medical stuff. And it just, like, doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And Mm -hmm. it's like, ah, no, don't, please. Yeah. Alana, I read a book about you once. Really? It was written by Jacqueline Frank. Okay, all right. She's awful. She's an awful writer. I had to give up on her series. And you know how much I like to finish series. Yeah, I know, right? It's all about, like, the box set, right? But basically, she was a librarian, and then she found out she had superpowers, and then she met a demon, and the demon, like, oh, also you're going to be mate-bonded, by the way. Mm -hmm. Like, a guy's going to look at you once and be like, I will forever love you forever. (laughs) (laughs) And then, after that, she she found out she was half-demon, and then also, she used her library superpowers, mm-hmm. which were nascent up until now, and figured out the prophecy by reading all of the demon library books. And the which demon is library. not someone anyone does in a library. That's why we have indexing so you can find what you need <laughs> and you don't have to read the whole library. That is the point of a library, guys. <laughs> what they needed... Is a librarian in that demon library. Mm-hmm. 
and then she also had superpowers. And then she she just married a demon, and she never she was never a librarian never again. What? <laughs> nah, you're Maybe she was a, a demon librarian. Maybe she was a demon librarian. That makes me happy. Demon you could AI. you could catalog a whole new version of books that have like prophecies and shit. And you know I don't catalog, right? Like, like that's not my type of librarian. Do you also like stamp things? No, <laughs> like, that's, no, that's the only thing I know. No, this is like so disappointing <laughs> on so many levels right now. I'm just kidding. Yeah, uh, Jk. <laughs> so we've talked long and hard about this and we will have a special guest yeah. next month for june book club mm-hmm. and will you tell us a little bit about our special guest wendy um it's my friend justin he has his own podcast and i was a guest host on his podcast so he's returning the favor um his podcast is i've mentioned it before it's all out of ideas and it's about reboots and remakes movies um and basically just like talking shit about remakes because it's easy to do (laughs) (laughs) um so um if you want to go check it out it's all out of ideas podcast.com and um we will be reading an awesome book that i found out from smart bitches trashy books it's called amish vampires in space. <laughs> um, yes, so we're going to be reading Amish Vampires in Space. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it'll probably be the next, you know, Pulitzer Prize award winner. Yeah, pretty much it's going to be the book that, like, you know, takes everyone away, right? Mm-hmm. I cannot find the, the author, but, I mean, oh. if you Google that, then... Yeah, just Google it. Then you're probably good. Hang on, let me look at my Goodreads, because I've already publicly told everyone that I am reading <laughs> Amish Vampires in Space. It's long, too, and it has really good reviews. Which is weird. That's the weirdest part of this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, it's a nearly 500-page book about Amish vampires in space. It's by, okay, I've got enough, by Karen Neitz. Okay. Karen Neitz. So we're going to read that. So we're going to read that. Thank you, listeners, whoever is still listening <laughs> at this point. I can't believe we're already on four. Four. We, we challenged of... ourselves to do four. I know. So now that we're going on, I think this is like an A plus. A plus in challenge. A plus plus extra credit. Indeed. <laughs> So that's it. Um, I'd like to thank my co-host, Wendy Dwyer. I'd like to thank my co-host, Alana. Um, for all of her excellent um, co-hosting. And also for being my friend and hanging out with me in St. Louis and getting fried chicken. And um, if you, wherever you are, if you can find fried chicken as well, <laughs> just eat it as you listen to this podcast. And that's, and that's it. Wendy and Alana's podcast. Wendy and Alana's podcast. Get literary, get literary. Woo!